Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros Podcast. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Eaton. Go kill yourself. I wish I could. Wow. If you've been affected by suicide, you're not alone. Suicide is a leading cause of death that affects millions each year. In most cases, it happens when stressful life events overload the coping abilities of someone suffering from a mental health condition. And the most common condition associated with suicide is depression, an illness that goes undiagnosed or untreated far too often. But the research is clear. Suicide is preventable. Learn how you can fight suicide. Visit AFSP.org today. Uh. <laughs> uh. I've noticed you've been saying that a lot more lately, and I think it's because of Quantum TV and, and the Act Man freaking problem drama potentially i I think you're just expressing your rage about it spencer in editing here just wanted to hop in real quick and say hashtag justice for act man as well as a friendly reminder that we are adults making content for adults with a very adult sense of humor if any of it offends you by all means don't listen that's totally okay sometimes we get a little bit too rambunctious and today was one of those days where Particularly, I was just in a weird mood, and I said a lot of very spicy things. So if that's too much for you, that's totally okay. Just tune out for this week. I mean, I I go through random times where I remember words, and then I use them a lot more. You know, I rotate my vocabulary. Well, I wouldn't mind if you forget this one. How about you fucking kill yourself? Wow, creative. Wow. I know, right? You're so smart. I know. You're so good and tasty. So it's ew. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have topic. the business card for the suicide prevention lady if you want to include start including an ad this week. You're acting like she's not on speed dial. <laughs> Spencer, I'm so cool. I got a suicide prevention on speed dial. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill you at this point. I will make your life so bad. I will drive you to it. Anyways, um, our topic for this uh, week is Tokyo Ghost, uh, which was written by Rick Remender and drawn by uh, Sean Murphy. It was also colored by Matt Hollingsworth, like usual. Um, it was released in 2015 by Image Comics and has a total of 10 issues um so the series synopses because i don't want a four-hour call and ramble synopsis that focuses on the boobs boobies you always rabbit trail in a synopsis uh the series is set in 2089 a time when humanity is addicted to technology and entertainment it follows the story of constables debbie decay and led dent working as peacekeeper in the aisles of la they're given a job that will take them to the last tech-free country on earth the garden nation of tokyo Remender summarizes that as being a big visual, exciting story that at the heart of it is hiding the fact that it's really a love story. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Okay. Okay. So technology bad might be bad. No. Could be bad. Acid rain's bad. Also true. Acid rain is bad. So I I talked to Jacob about this a couple of days ago um, when we we're talking about Sean Murphy in general. Sex machines are bad. Also true. Um, but this feels very similar to other pieces of like Sean Murphy entirely done works, like his mm-hmm. own solo stuff. Um, so I think the the artist and writer pairing was really good here because they have very similar like everything mm-hmm. like style choices and political leanings and like whatever Goals. so it feels it feels very cohesive um 
And also, Sean was very horny in the making of this book. Holy hell. Well, isn't he always? This is a lot more. This is a lot more than usual. This is true. Um, Colin, since you were the one who read this first. Ah, I'm cool. You're not. Suck it. Kill yourself. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. That's the last time I'm going to say it, at least for today. Uh, so what drew you to this book in the first place? So basically what I saw... Because this was before we all gained uh, sentience and obsession with Sean Murphy. This is when it started for me, actually. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, oh, Sean Murphy, Batman, so cool. Or I was like, this Batman run is so cool. Batman, Kristen White, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should get into artists because I'm already obsessed with Mike Mignola. And then I looked at the artist. I'm like, oh, uh, his name is Sean Murphy. Let's see if there's other stuff. And then they had a Sean Murphy rack yeah. for a little bit. And I'm like, oh... And I was looking through, and I'm like, okay, Chrononauts looks all right. And then I saw this fucking beefy monkey man on a motorcycle. It's like cyberpunk, and he has arrows in his back. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, the one. It was definitely the chunky man and not the pretty lady with boobs. Oh, well, you can't even see the boobs yet. I didn't even know there's going to be boobs. That I just true. bought it. That's fair. I just bought it. And there still happen to be boobs. I'm like, this is so fucking, this is so much better. I get boobs, oh you know? Goodness. Nice booty, nice boobs. Angry man, go burr. Angry man does go burr. Angry man goes burr. I, that was something that I didn't expect to like as much as I did. I know, very surprising for well, me. Well, that's so surprising. Yeah, I know. Um, so but I, violence. Big monkey man likes violence. Not the not that part of the, the other side of angry man go burr. I wasn't expecting to buy into the romance because I'm, pretty picky when it comes to romance and like especially comic books finding it remotely believable like like they have chemistry and Uh this one was done surprisingly well for a fairly short amount of time and mostly taking place in flashbacks for people who haven't read the book uh the the big chunky man is addicted to tech just like the surrounding world it's basically everybody's drug uh all of technology is bad and it creates this weird high for people and uh chunky man is addicted to it and pretty lady with boobs is like no tech is bad you should you need to get off of the tech and we can have a happy life together and it's a really well-told story where he's addicted to the physical thing and she's addicted to uh, a one-sided love story mostly with the mm. addict so it's it's an interesting duality told in this story for sure there's a couple of moments that are like quite heart-wrenching uh there was the one yep. i believe it's an issue like two or three like she basically like they have sex but he's so distracted I by, was just about to by say watching that. tv it's so oh. incredibly painful to look at like and it 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 feels so gross mm. and like because it's like the last like a last ditch effort to get him to like stop <laughs> and even that doesn't work and it's so it's so bizarre. Oh, that was rough. I think the fact that this is a mature, very clearly rated mature book that is you know an original story really lends itself well to this setting. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel surprising when the whole thing is really horny. And also no. very gross at the same time. I wasn't, it, it, you also mentioned it ahead of time, but like, it didn't feel like, oh, that came out of nowhere. It's like, it, of course, the 
the way that we get to the weird dystopian future is equally as important as the actual dystopian future. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, everyone's obsessed with entertainment and sex and the, like the ads are running constantly. That's not surprising. Exactly. It's like, we already do that. Yeah. We're already doing that. We've already started. Crank it up to like 10,000%. It's like, well, of course, half the people are just walking around with no clothes on. Also, they're in California. Also, too. <laughs> yeah, it starts out in California. So, well, now California. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I can't really explain why the first book, so the first five issues, feel really good. I gave them a five star on Goodreads. Like it, it's a very well told story, but then the second book kind of falls apart for me. It. Um, issue six, there's a weird uh, entertainment uh, show, maybe, that is all um, uh, Humpty Dumpty uh, Storyland, uh, reminiscent of that, right? And that kind of feels out of place, but I guess it's just because it's, you know, one show that they made. Um, but it, uh, the villain talks monologues a lot and not as much happens in the story it's just pretty lady with the boobs chases down the Mm. villain before he commits the bad thing and stops it and it's it doesn't feel as cohesive as the first half I can definitely agree with that on on some level or another I think my my general criticism which I think is kind of related is I think the not the pacing in terms of like panel by panel, like beat by beat, but like the total 10 issues has a weird pace to it. Yeah. Because we have all of this backstory that we find out slowly through flashbacks. And then the first uh, like what two issues are set before they go to Tokyo. And then there's like two issues in Tokyo. And then there's like the confrontation in issue five, which is like the low point in the middle of the story. And then, the other five like it just the the timetable feels kind of weird because they spend apparently like multiple months in tokyo but it's like an issue and a half it doesn't feel like that was quite invested in enough to then justify the um like allegiance swapping kind of that happens in the second book Mm. quote-unquote like the the bones are there but i think maybe they didn't know how many issues they were going to have or maybe it was plan to be an ongoing or something and then they had to shorten it i have no fucking clue but it feels like the issue to issue pacing is kind of weird so i think that lends to that because the conclusion i like the conclusion as like the conclusion to the themes and i like the story beats in it but it does feel kind of weird pacing wise because yeah the main villain does just kind of dawdle around for a little bit which is entertaining to read and look at but it doesn't especially when he's like coming up with the plan he's talking with hitler and genghis or Genghis khan and uh osama bin laden it's so funny and they're all like playing that's that's pretty terrible and he's like yeah you're right i'll do it (laughs) yeah i i just it's it's a weird thing and it's the only real criticism i have of the entire story everything else is phenomenal it just feels like i i don't speculating on it feels kind of weird there's just there's a bunch of different reasons that could have happened right uh, um i did find the scene with the weird story time game show thingy really funny um it, that it was is just, good it's just it's kind of out of place oh it's for just, sure it's like what 
is going on? <laughs> uh, a pie is getting fingered. That's what's up. Mm. <laughs> fingered cream pie. Oh my goodness. Uh, can we talk about art for a minute, please? Oh Co- Colin, do you want it or? Um. Well, hold on. Let Colin say his piece, so then we could disagree with him and then yes. leave it alone. That's what I was setting it up for. Well, there's nothing that I have to be disappointed about with this comic book everything in the art this is one of my favorite sean murphy books that contain his art um there are definitely some books where of sean murphy's where i don't like the art like plot holes surprisingly enough i think that wasn't his best work and i think his best works in my opinion are like um probably Curse of the White Knight, uh, uh, Punk Rock Jesus, and Tokyo Ghost are probably like my favorite books of his that uh, that contain his art. And um, I don't think yeah. I have much to say about Tokyo Ghost in the art. Especially near the end of the second book when Tokyo had been a lush forest and then the bad guys built over it. It was like the last green place on earth basically and the bad guys built over it made like las vegas neon and and lights and buildings everywhere and then the pretty lady with the boobs stops the bad guys and in the very (laughs) oh my gosh Uh, she stops the bad guy and is regrowing earth so it's basically Las Vegas in Tokyo that's growing over. And that's like, it's telling a story with just the artwork and it looks fantastic. Mm, For sure. I think the setting itself was the more interesting part art wise. Like the character designs are all fun and some of them are like insanely goofy, but it's very typical Sean. Oh, for sure. Very typical Sean Murphy. We have a a bunch of, goofy ass shit and also our main characters are literally big strong angry monkey man and uh booby lady pretty booby lady (laughs) it is it's it's not really a criticism but all of his characters do fall into very strong archetypes i happen to like it but oh me too you could probably throw that in as a vague criticism but Uh, i think I was going to double up on that one. It's not really a criticism, but the bad guy in the end definitely looks like Jack Napier and Big Monkey Man definitely has some Bruce Wayne looks to oh, him. Yeah. Like, they look so similar sometimes, but I'm not an artist. I can't throw a stone for drawing something that's similar looking to you another know. book that he's done. I you know gonna... why they look similar? It's because if you look at uh, he uses his own face for, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reference. He's using yeah. it for reference. So he uses his face for the Joker. Mm-hmm. And then he also uses his face for Bruce Wayne. He, like, splits his face. It's features, like, his defining features, he splits them in half. Like, his nose goes to the Joker, and his jaw goes to, like, Batman. Weird. It's weird. I, I looked at, it, at the drawings, because right? so I was like, this kind of look, they both look like him. And I had to like pick out the features and like, oh, wow. Because artists do that. You sometimes you just draw yourself. No, yeah, and, for and- sure. I have a point on his art evolving when I talk about one of my books later, um, which will somewhat contradict my point. 
Um, but I think the environmental storytelling was definitely one of the stronger points. I spent a lot more time oogling like the splash pages and the background images than I did looking at the character models because the character designs are all very straightforward and easily recognizable in a panel. I think that Matt Hollingsworth and Sean Murphy are some of is, is like the best art duo imaginable, honestly. He has worked with Sean on almost every single one of his pieces, like ever. And his just variety of color palettes in all of his books with differing types of, of tones and everything. It's insane. Like it's almost inseparable. I think I would have to go look to find something that Sean Murphy did that was not in black and white and had a different colorist than Matt Hollingsworth. His work is just gorgeous. It's inseparable from the pencils and the ink. Are you still trying to find his name? No, I'm just looking at Booby Lady. Oh my gosh. Um, She's I, just so pretty. I don't disagree. The, um, the full page, uh, those are splashes, right? <laughs> just the, Yeah. The splashes are just so hot. I, I kind of want some of them as like a poster in my room. That's something else I wanted to nail on is the, co- mm. the individual issue covers are gorgeous. All of the main covers were done by Sean and then some other people did some covers that are in the back of the book. Um, there, there's something very simple about them. I like how they typically have like a slice of the setting somewhere, a a location or an object, and then they have a character model in front of it with the title. I don't know why, but it just, it gets me. It's really nice. It's clean looking. Uh, I don't know, man. I remembered after reading it the first time, I remembered wanting more. But I didn't remember until uh, reread that there's a slight little tease or opening uh, for a sequel if they ever want to go back to it. I'd completely forgotten about that. Oh, with the Game Boy? Yeah. Yeah, I I want more. I always have mixed feelings on things like that where I I appreciate the leaving something for yourself for later. Because like I said, this might have been planned as an ongoing. Who knows? But the... I, at least during the first read, because I like had to reread some of the end issues to make sure I got everything. The ending feels more like a, this is going to be a cyclical problem. Like it's more of a statement about the nature of technology and our relationship to it more so than like literal plot dangles. But that's just me being esoteric and stupid. (laughs) Uh, I I can kind of see it. I think it's just, they did a nice job of, leaving themselves something for later like it could be the end it's not blatantly there will be more it's it it's the only thing really that implies there could be more is that the last frame has the face of the villain that she just defeated i think it would have been cooler if they had left it with just the do you want to play a game thing right if it had just been ooh technology bad technology bad is left over then it would have been the end for sure but to tease the villain's face like that makes me think that they're leaving it open for more maybe this seems to be a strong tendency of um other published books from like major artists and writers that we like is that they were going to do more. And then they just ended up having to end early. Like 
Witches is supposed to have a sequel at some point, which Snyder and Jock have talked about, but both of them were working on DC for the past like seven years. Right. So like, it, it seems like this is a constant theme of like, yeah, we were working with Dark Horse or Image or whatever. And then they did what they wanted to do, but they were thinking of doing more. And then they just blew the hell up and they all have Batman books now, which I mean, go get the bag, but it would be cool to get someone coming back every once in a while. <laughs> um. Overall, this is one of my favorite Sean Murphy arts. I don't oh, yeah. I don't want to rank it alongside a lot of his other stuff because the him doing a solo book is very different than him doing the art for someone else's book. But I think this is the strongest symbiosis between the two that I've read so far. And it, it it's cool seeing the blueprint of what a lot of his designs would become later, because a lot of these settings are vaguely reminiscent of what he'd do in a lot of his Batman books to some extent or another, a lot of like the character work and yeah, the faces and stuff like that. It's cool to see what it was before, you know, it was tainted by the large corporation or whatever. I like how uh, he tells the like, uh, backstory of like how, how these two characters, the way that they are, um, because they're just like not normal pages, uh, not normal comic book pages where you have like a bunch of panels that are different shapes and stuff. It's like one one side is the pictures, where it's just rectangle, and then the other side are these little boxes, or not even boxes. It's just white where there's just writing. And it's just like the the dialogue. It's you know, there's always the uh, uh, the fighting of like between. Uh, show don't tell or there's people that like to tell don't show um and this kind of felt like it was a good little balance maybe could have had a little bit less tell but we kind of needed some of that information yeah it it feels like they could have the first couple of issues were a little trickier to get into because there's so much being shoved in your face right off the bat which is the part is that's my favorite part of the whole book i like that part plot wise i just find it a lot a very overwhelming like exposition wise it's like how many new terms do i need to learn and you know all that stuff you know how how much slang is in this book that doesn't make any sense type stuff and it just eh, i like how he does the the flashbacks themselves it makes it a lot easier to read and digest rather than having so much voiceover slash internal boxes cover price for both books is 15 dollars and the hardcover complete collection is, I believe, 40. There's a complete collection? Yeah, but it's only hardcover, which is gay. I um, didn't know I about that. It. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a one. It's not, I don't think getting, yeah. I don't think the deluxe complete whatever is um, currently being produced. So it's probably a little bit more expensive than cover price, but it, it's definitely out there. Um, strong enjoy. Uh, I'm glad we waited so long since Colin brought this up to talk about it, though. Uh, so moving on to Kenobi, epi- Obi Wan. Obi- I hate the fact that they used his full name for the title. I should have just, just been. It should have just been Kenobi. I just say Kenobi. Anyway, people Kenobi. Kenobi episode three happened. Uh, so we get the Daddy Vader. Yes, that's the end. Uh, so vague, quick plot synopsis. Uh, Leia and um, I almost said Leia Han. and Han. Wow. <laughs> Leia and Obi Wan. Uh, ben uh, get off of the ship that they were on and then they get stuck on a planet which name I don't remember it's a mining planet they wander around they get picked up by a random alien who looks like a mole who is an imperial um, 
loyalist. One of those cringe- Imperial cuck. One of those cringe people that we all know in real life who is literally one of the people getting fucked over by a large group, but they decide to fight for them anyways because they're stupid. Yep. Mm-hmm. A, little, <laughs> boot a, little or, a little order wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. Fucking bootlicker. Literally. Your boot, bootlicker. It was very well done. I it like was that. like, dang, that's just like somebody I know. And it was like, yep. it was very relatable. It was that done was, very it was well. Nice. Also, I think that was apparently a celebrity cameo or like a... It sounded familiar. Vaguely. I didn't look into it. I was just glad. It was It was a nice little design. I liked that it was a puppet instead of a CG character, blah, blah, of course. Um, the little fight that they had with the stormtroopers was very nice. I did not expect to see the stormtrooper get cut in half by the laser gate. I loved that. That was that nice. Was great. That was um, the little moment with the with uh, with Ben misremember like s- busting his story because he's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really nice. The smaller moments is really what this show is nailing. And it was the thing I was really nervous about them skipping over is like let oh let Ewan act and let him be sad and like reminisce about stuff, mm. you know? And the fact that he like uh it gave me chills. Uh- Ugh. despite the fact that the prequels were very mixed in execution it was the intent was to have obi-wan anakin and padme be the new trio mm-hmm. and it, acknowledging that that's really what the what the dynamic was even if you only really see it in the clone wars is really nice and it's like of course he's going to be thinking about padme it's not and not everything has to be about anakin either Oh, it's and about wh- both of them. The little the hallucination was also very nice. Oh, when she was like, "Are you my real dad?" Oh! And, and then and he said, "Oh, I wish I was." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> that brings me back to when people were like, "Were like, what if, what if they had like a little like oh, little gosh. not affair, but it was just kind of like yeah, kind of like I like you, you like me type of thing." I think there was a version of the trilogy and like yep. part of the scripting process where it wasn't like a like a love triangle or anything, but there was some, there was more to that dynamic, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that they did. That, there, it was, I can't remember the details, but I remember when I read it, it wasn't that far fetched. It was actually kind of, it kind of worked in the way that they were telling it because this was like before Satine and the Clone Wars. And shit exactly. Like that. And I'm also the Imperial officer who's an undercover <laughs> agent, whatever. Um, there was public discussion that she was originally going to be written in like some early draft of this as a romantic interest. I'm so glad that they didn't do that because they I don't, don't need a romantic like, interest. If, if, even if they never reference Satine, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If they don't even allude to her, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I like that being like the one for Obi-Wan and yeah. that's it. It's nice. And that makes this, this short series. That's kind of how it usually, that's not usually this. That's kind of how it works for some guys. For a, for a repressed virgin like Obi-Wan, that's exactly how it works. Yes. Um, so I'm glad that they did. Sorry, Jacob, go. <laughs> it's okay. I have two things. I remembered one thing I wanted to bitch about last week, and that is when Leah is being kidnapped. There's like four or five bad guys chasing her, and they're running through the jungle, and it looked rough. It yeah. Did oh, not, that was bad. That was not yeah, bad. It was bad. Like, you could see the adult actors pulling back when they were expecting, like, the 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 video to be cut like it was yeah. really roughly edited yeah. um a thought that hit me last night when i was watching kenobi she runs funny is that um and it was something spencer mentioned last week having all these uh popular people show up as fun cameos as stormtroopers they say two lines and then they 
are are you know deleted from existence <clears throat> it kind of messes with the clone lore in that their voices are always different or like extremely different and it, it just completely goes against what we saw in the Clone Wars, the cartoon, where it's all voice acted by the same dude, clearly altering his voice to sound unique per the character. You can identify who's talking just by how his voice sounds with that character. But it's- Wait, are, so are you whole, are you talking about stormtroopers sounding different? Because stormtroopers yes. aren't clones like none of them are. They're all conscripts. Yeah, none of them are clones. There were some clones, like in oh the my gosh, in, yeah, you're absolutely right. In I, in Bad Batch, there were some that started to go over, and it looks like we're based on something else. We're getting clone commandos, which is gonna be great. But the um the stormtroopers are all conscripts and like enlistees. All right, um, yeah, that, not to entirely disprove your point, but you're no, you did. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a Twitter night. post where a dude's like, "How are we having a?" Disney's ruining. We have a female oh God, stormtrooper bowing to a female stormtrooper. No, on that point, the Force Awakens with the first female stormtrooper. Can we please not? On that um, point, I want a lot more Captain Phasma. She got screwed over in the sequels. There's a book. The book is really good. Yeah, I know. There's a book. I want more movie TV show though. Yeah, that'll never. She happen. wants big, tall mommy. So my, I'm my excitement is immeasurable, and my day was made for. The fact that Quinlan Voss is still alive. Oh my goodness, Quinlan Voss! Let me. You must be blind to see the truth. Okay, that was that. That the words were nice. I meant more just like the fact that they are acknowledging a character that was in live action for three seconds and is primarily from the expanded universe stuff. He was in live action. He was in the Phantom Menace for about three seconds, and I think you can see him for about three seconds in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I didn't know about that. I I thought he was only in books. I, don't, he, I thought he was only in Clone Wars. Yeah, and he's books. in the Clone Wars and then the books. And anyways, one of my favorite characters. I'm very glad. It was just a nice little moment. Even if they don't do anything with that itself, it's nice recognizing it's not just about Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka. Uh, I didn't know he was in Clone Wars either. Yeah, not yep. very much. Um, the So I liked the end fight. I liked, Oh yeah, I understand that people are a little annoyed with the fact that this is pretty clearly a TV show production. I get it, but I thought thought it did really well. I was going to say, I like how well they handled the use of lightsabers. Mm. The thing that made me really enjoy the sequence. I like, I can tell it's like one set. It's just a a bunch of piles of dirt, Mm -hmm. but the fact that Obi-Wan, you had a POV shot of Obi-Wan holding the lightsaber and you can't see anything around it because no, it's so I love fucking that. bright. Yeah, that's realistic. Yeah. You can't see shit with a lightsaber turned on. Yeah, I love that. In front of your fucking face. That was I, really nice. You mentioned it, I think it was last week, that the lightsabers have been looking really skinny, but last it, this episode, the lightsabers are fat. The, it, no, it's I, interesting. what I was talking about with that was that the green lightsabers recently have been like darker uh, in color. Yeah. Um, which is just a preference thing, but and it just I'm just very pleased with that fight. I like how it's clearly Vader's like finally I get to throw him around. Like he's not trying to kill him; he's trying to fuck with him because mm-hmm. we know Vader can enhance his speed with the Force. He's done it before. He can be fast, but he's just walking around tormenting him. 
And I like that. I really mm. like that. There, he's a ghost from the past tormenting Obi-Wan. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's so good. And Obi-Wan, I love how terrified Obi-Wan is. He's like, shit, do I even remember how to use this thing? Like, that was nice. Yeah, I like that. Butt whooped pretty quickly because Vader is that much more powerful and he's pissed versus Obi-Wan is, he's so in his own head about Dude, it. Oh, okay. So what I really liked about uh, this is that they're really feeding into um the fact that <clears throat> and everyone forgets this everyone who doesn't fucking read the comics forgets that darth vader has been on a like, crusade saying. for 10 years just looking for kenobi but he's been building his arsenal he's been crafting his uh just him he's been recreating himself yeah. he's been diving into the force almost whenever he can he's so finding he's so pissed off finding, he can't do force lightning <laughs> yeah he's so pissed off he can't do force lightning he's finding the the, the places where he's going to feel the most like force energy the most like as close as he can yeah. and that's where like his uh fucking the, vader's castle, the castle is. is built literally on on, on the spot it's that, literally on the spot where he created his first lightsaber yeah uh his first like he uh bled his first crystal and that was directly on top of where he was limb choppy oppied not directly on top of where he was limb it's choppy. within like it, 20 it's, feet yeah i mean wh where he's looking if he looks through the windows he sees where yeah. he was but like it's this is directly on top of yeah. where he bled the crystal Mm -hmm. so that was a that was a really good arc that was that's one of my favorite fucking darth vader things so darth vader has been doing this for 10 years and he's been fucking active and obi-wan has had his fucking lightsaber stuck in the sand for 10 years and been cutting up meat yeah of course obi-wan's not gonna have a fucking fighting chance it doesn't matter if he's a master darth vader's been doing been still active he just reconnected to the force like five minutes ago yeah i really really liked the um the fact that at like his lowest moment, he's still like crying for Qui-Gon. Yeah. I think the conclusion of this series is going to be him communing with Qui-Gon's ghost. That'd be awesome. Because so it's like a, it's a specific thing. You don't just get to be a force ghost just because you were connected to the force. You have to go yeah. through certain practices and rituals and whatnot. And the, I don't know if it's considered head canon or if it's alluded to by main canon. The distinction is very fine. Qui-Gon might not have finished the process mm -hmm. and that's why because we saw him once in the Clone Wars that was not actually him as a force ghost it wasn't real mm -hmm. um and like whatever and that's also why in Rise of Skywalker most of the voices that you hear are voices is because they're not all of those characters are not capable of conjuring a physical form mm -hmm. at that time and also stylistic choice and blah whatever but like I th I think that'll be really nice because also Obi-Wan has to learn how to do that from Qui-Gon or Yoda at some point. I hope we don't have to see it. We don't need to see every moment of everyone's life documented for fuck's sake. So how do you think that Darth Vader or Anakin, actually Anakin became a force ghost. How do you see, think he was, is it because he's the chosen one? That's kind of what I've always headcanoned because- You kind of have to. It's- <sighs> because originally that wasn't a thing like mm -hmm. it was it was when the, the prequels introduced the ideas and then the clone wars expanded on it yeah. that, like it's not just everyone um no i i knew that like, which the has been inconsistent trilogy. and the sequel trilogy kind of fuck with that too not like it didn't fuck with everything else but i think that might just be kind of like the exception <laughs> the force collectively is like nah fam you good 
It would have to. I be. don't know. Like that's the only explanation, can wise. I, I mean, it's I'm the sure they could. One. At some, they could be like there could be some justification, but that's the thing is Sith don't because their relationship with the Force is different. They're not interested in that. They mm-hmm. don't train for that because they want to live forever in their physical bodies. Or if you're Palpatine, you want to body hop and shit. But we're mm-hmm. not going to get into that. Um, I don't know. I feel like that. I think we should just ignore that and just leave it alone and be happy that we get yeah. to see Hayden later. But I really liked Hayden's performance in the suit because it is confer- He was the yeah. one doing the suit work, yep. not the stunt work, but the suit work. And then um, because James Earl Jones is officially retired, they did the algorithm shit for his voice. They the same thing that they did for Luke in Book of Boba Fett. Oh, so which I didn't like then because it's a real human voice. But when it's James Earl Jones being modulated, it's fine. That oh, sounds so a little he didn't robotic. come back for this. No, he didn't record any new lines. They Damn. they they chopped and screwed stuff they had, and then they fed it into a computer, which it all sounded fine. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought, I thought it, he came back for it. It tricked me. I thought he had come back for it. Yeah, me too. And I think for roles like that, where it's that or like a droid, like. God forbid if if for whatever reason we end up needing to see 3PO in live action again and God forbid like Anthony Daniels passes on at some point mm-hmm. like I think that's okay the voice doing it with someone's voice doesn't feel as weird especially if it's a robotic modulated thing because it yep. it sounds like a computer and that's fine I don't know I really liked Vader's mannerisms and I liked mm-hmm. the fact that despite this being a Disney plus show and all of us are collectively nervous that they're not going to have violence or blood on anything he did just kind of kill like four civilians for shits and giggles and then snap that, that was fucking <laughs> terrifying <laughs> Neck. That was terrifying. That was I wicked was... dark. Also, like how he uh took Obi-Wan was just burning him. You just like throw him, you're like, mm-hmm. I... and Obi-Wan screams. I like how Holy vindictive shit. he is. It doesn't feel like a conflicted Vader because Vader uh, during the the initial first couple of years directly after getting his new body parts is kind of like, what the fuck? This is weird. And then he leans hardcore into the force, which is where we are now. Mm -hmm. And then later he starts getting some doubts because right now he doesn't really realize he's being used by the emperor yet. No. Once you get to original trilogy, he's kind of like resigned to his fate. Like he knows he's being used as a pawn and he just, he knows he can't win. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I liked, I also just like the, the shots through the door i legitimately thought they might pull off a vader uses force speed to get right up to the door i thought they're going to do that i too. thought they were going to do a jump scare but i'm kind of glad that they didn't i do want, that would have probably looked goofy as shit i want one jump scare of vader eh, i was expecting one in the fight in the sand dunes but yeah dirt dunes but it was fine i liked that sequence it was a good use of a a very small set that it looks like it was i don't know the the really vibrant colors and the really good lighting reminds me of um, the Force Awakens in particular because this was I remember something I really loved about it was they when they used the physical lightsabers on set mm-hmm. they glow yeah like the the lighting you see on all of their faces that's all done practically in yep. camera and I'm sure that makes it kind of difficult to see all the time um, and it can be a little obnoxious I guess but it looks really really good like Obi Wan just bathed in blue light Mm -hmm. um it i don't know it looks really nice and then one of the only qualms i have with the last jedi is they didn't do that that much it was a lot more toned down which was gay but whatever very gay and like and that's what the mandalorian did with luke pretty well again it's green so it's not the the light going out is on a different frequency but like the the blue ones being brightest is really nice now that i look now i think about it and 
Luke now does fight way more like Darth Vader. He does. And I, this is the sort of retroactive. <clears throat> and I like it. just retconning stuff that I'm okay with making yeah. their more connective tissue between ideas that were mm-hmm. planted earlier. Like, um, I sent you guys a video, which I'm sure you didn't watch, which is fine. But like the fact that Darth Vader was just like Darth Vader in the in the original trilogy, and then the how the prequels had changed the character so much, and then everything since then has to shove those two together at the same time. Because mm-hmm. originally it was like, how did this whiny little brat turn into this guy? And so every single piece of media since then has to fuse the two in some manner or another. Mm-hmm. Or another. And I think they finally nailed it. Whereas oh, yeah. from, it all seems fairly seamless now. Not, not you don't even have to read the comics. You can just look at the live action interpretations yep. back to back to back to back. And it's like, like yeah, okay, Rogue, this is good. Like Rogue One. Yeah, like looking at this compared to Rogue One, uh, Rogue One's nine years later, but it's like, this feels in line with it. The movements are pretty similar. Yeah, this doesn't look as good as Rogue One, Rogue One because Rogue One was shot by Greg Frazier, but like, it's a movie, you know? Like, yeah, it's a budgetary thing. It's mm-hmm. fine uh i couldn't tell if the helmet had red lenses or not it did it, it looked did. like it wasn't the lighting and it just wasn't really clear which red is lenses. the only real gripe i had with this is vader's castle interior looks like ass because it's yes hard. yeah i the designs i wanted to ignore it i ignored it. i kind of ignored it the ignored design it. is fine it's the same as it was in rogue one it's just less embellished because mm-hmm. less time he's only been there for 10 years like give this man another 10 years on his bachelor pad it's gonna be crazy mm-hmm. but it happens big deal like it whatever it's a it's like a fully cg shot except vader but it's nice i i don't know watching hayden move around is really cool it feels like i can see it I'm reading into it, but it, it does actually feel like it's Hayden no, Christensen I, doing the work. So I, I, because I feel the same way because I saw a little bit of like his training, not like as much as they showed us of his training and his stance as Darth Vader with like the, the stupid ass cape. And then I saw the same stance in this episode. I'm like, oh, I see Hayden. I see him right yep. there. It, I don't know. I'm very pleased. Also, he just looks good as uh, Ice Cream Man. Sorry, what? Oh, you mean, yeah, the He's, ice cream. The... He is cherry ice cream. Okay, okay, okay. I just didn't realize what you were saying. Um, we see him as white boy. Yes, we see the man under the suit. We're halfway done with Kenobi already. Yeah, I like this as the middle point. I think it's nice to have a... Obi-Wan legitimately gets his ass handed to him, you know, a low point. Typically in your three acts, two acts, three, the middle of the second act has like a falling point. And now Obi-Wan has to do whatever the rest of this plot involves, and he's going to have a rematch with Vader at the end. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure he, I think he's still going to lose because I think they really want to nail on the whole Vader literally said, when I left you, which is a little overdone. I think leaning into that too much is stupid, and we have to do this literally, but I think they're going to have them fight again, but it's going to be a lot less one-sided. And that'll be nice. I don't know. It was cool. I like seeing the old man just like, I had a happy surprise this week. I read uh, Marvel Max's Master of Kung Fu, which is Shang-Chi for those that are uninformed. It is written by Doug Moench, M-O-E-N-C-H, but there's clearly an O in there. So I don't know. Uh, penciled by Paul Gulancy and colored by 
Paul Mounts. Sorry, it's written really, really weird. Uh, camera won't work. Never mind. Um, <clears throat> it's a six-issue story about Shang-Chi doing kung fu stuff and being all spiritual, uh, talky guy. And I, the story is pretty clear cut to the point that it kind of felt like I had missed something. Like, is this it? Am I missing another line in the story? I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just dumb. That's probably it. Uh, the fights are very well arted. You can uh, tell a clear sense of motion in the fights. They're nice and violent. There's, for being a max run, there's not a whole lot of max content. There's a couple of words. There's uh, maybe one sex scene, maybe, but like, <gasps> that's it. Yeah, I know. It was very, very tame. And it was uh, a very enjoyable story. I had a great time with it. My only complaint is that whoever arted it, I don't know the art processing too well. I want to blame the penciler, but I'm sure Colin will correct me. Everybody's faces in this book were wrong. It was like bad proportions in regards to the rest of the body. There were a couple of times where the face was definitely like turned too much so that you could see the face, but it it didn't relate well with how the rest of the body was standing. It was really weird. It was very distracting and it was pretty ugly. I'd but probably blame that on the penciler. That's I mean, what I thought. I mean, so if, if, say the lines all the lines are messed up that means that the bones of it have to be messed up and the bones are the penciler so the pencil right. messed up rattled <laughs> <laughs> um but besides that it, it, it just felt like a hurdle that the penciler couldn't get over just like we've talked about before some people can't do whatever fill in the blank usually uh, faces so uh rob liefeld with his feet it's a joke um uh, uh, and rob liefeld with everything else to be fair um except for pouches on belts on top of shoulder pads yes uh so that was my only complaint with this with this comic line uh everything else looked great and it was a fun story each issue Cover price is three bucks, but that was back in 2002 when it released. Uh, I got it for $23 total. So it's a bit much, but for being an actually enjoyable Max story, I'd say 20 bucks isn't too bad. So this is what the third best Max series underneath Punisher and Jessica Jones, yeah? Uh... You'll have to wait for my next review. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> uh, Colin, what the fuck have you been doing? My dude. So I recently read one of the greatest works of heavy metal in the history of heavy metal and comic books combined. Yes. I read Daniel Warren Johnson's Murder Falcon, <laughs> which is a story about a, a, a 
murder falcon he's a bird with a giant robotic arm that gets summoned actually transports himself to one of the greatest heavy metal um uh guitarists slash frontman ever of the band broticus and his name is jake and with the power of his metal strumming strummings of his guitar he empowers the murder falcon to murder bad guys Burb. And, and he gets his friends together and they all get these mystical awesome guitars and basses and drums and they conjure up their own murder animals to murder the big bad guy that creates anxiety in the world and they fight this monster with the power of friendship and music with the power of metal <laughs> bitch <laughs> Uh, uh this story is so fucking fun i had no idea what I, so i love this about comics where i have no idea what's going to happen because i wasn't following any of this i didn't know um that like what this was when uh when i first started looking at daniel warren johnson's stuff like uh this was me back in i think 2018 um and i just saw him drawing it a lot and i didn't know anything about it until um the deluxe like hardcover came out and I saw it at Jetpack. I wasn't going to get it. I saw it online. I was going to get it. And then I walked into Jetpack. I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to get this. I'm obliged to buy something. I am taking up space in the store. Yep. And of course I bought it. And when I walked out, I saw Rich and he was outside. I was like, oh, hey, you got Murder Falcon. That's awesome. I'm like, yeah, dude. He's like, did you get the, uh, did you get the book plate? And I'm like, the book plate? He's like, you didn't get the book plate? He's like, come on back in. Come on. And then he walked me back in. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Rich's dad. And so he comes, and he's like, this. And it's like this picture of one of the panels in uh, Murder Falcon, where it's, Mur it's Murph. That's what they call him, Murder Falcon. Murph is about to beat the shit out of a monster with a traffic light and he's going ha 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 and it's signed by daniel warren johnson himself you're such a dork i am a dork rich was the one who did recommend it to me originally as yeah. well so he seems to be on the same page oh he's awesome i love that he just brought me back he's like come on come on get back in here and i'm like trying to leave some like i, I don't want to be late for work he's like come on come on and i'm like okay rich i can't say no to to more free stuff and so uh, shout out to Rich and Jetpack Comics, of course. Anyway, back onto the story. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And so once I got into this, I didn't realize that it was like um, so heavily surrounded around metal. And I loved that so much. And we also get to like be introduced to uh, a bunch of other people that have these magical instruments. And we get shown this like huge, awesome battle sequence between this metal band in Sweden and they have the coolest fucking monsters because they remind me of like Norse mythology type of things. Like one of their front men has this giant wooden, um, just like a oh, oh, wooden giant that that's his guy. And, but they fail and they have to, and the last survivor of that battle, which is the guy I just talked about. I forget his name, uh, finds Brodicus, the bands, and he goes on a journey with them to find, just like to find the key to, um to getting into this big big bad place to get rid of all the big bad guys just like every other metal band they pick up and drop members and and then you get remnants from other bands and then they yep. make new bands yep yeah i loved it i loved it it was actually a very sad ending i don't know if i should talk about the sad ending no nope. but the um 
the twist in it got me because I didn't think what was going to happen. I didn't, how do I say this? You didn't see the twist coming. I it's a pretty straightforward. Yeah, sentence. no, I didn't see the twist coming. In the way that, oh, I didn't know there was going to be a twist. I didn't realize that there was going to be because how Daniel writes and how he like shows characters, he's so good. I'm not trying to fanboy, but I am. I'm going to fanboy for a little bit. I'm going to fanboy fan about everything. It's fine. That's our job to fanboy. Yes. It's uh, how he shows expressions through characters. And like, he's so good at like, he simplifies character, his characters' faces, which is good start. It's fantastic. You want to do that so that you can magnify the um, emotions on them to, to show like um, the importance and how he does that is fantastic. And how it plays in to the emotions. It's like, everything's earned very well. It's not like something just happens, but fucking awesome book. I think I bought it for like 30. I thought bought it for 30 bucks. I buy it for more. Whoa. And I give it a seven out of seven. Wow. I have no complaints. I don't think. Nice. And I've read it twice. I finished it the day I bought it. Wow. And then I skimmed through it again. Spencer, what have you done? So I went on a a Sean Murphy kick recently. I just wanted to look at boobs, you sick fuck. Maybe. (laughs) Ah, screw it. We'll go. So I read Punk Rock Jesus, finally. Um, Jesus. Uh, it was published by Vertigo in 2012 and 2013. The uh, whole thing was done by Sean Murphy. Um, Colin talked about this not that long ago. So no. I've been kind of putting this one off for a while. It was very critically acclaimed when it came out. And I just, when I read, because I'm stupid. Whenever yes. I see like black and white comics, my brain just turns off. Same. It's the same reason I don't like manga very much. I know so, I'm dumb. You guys are with, dumb. Yeah, I know. Same with like old, old, old comics too. It's so bright and colorful. It's like uh, I'm sure there's good stuff there, but I just can't handle it. Am I the intellectual in the room? Maybe. Um, Who would have thunk? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I actually ended up liking the format. In this story, I think having color might have distracted, like, been too distracting. Because the way he he leaves a lot more of his pencils alone, there's a lot like rougher of a of an art like it just the, the art in general is a lot more rough and aggressive, and the the he even inks a lot more of the lines that he normally would have just you know erased. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has a lot muddier of a look to it, and I think having color on top of that would have been really hard to read through. Um, so the the themes and the questions that are at play here are abundantly clear, really, really fucking obvious. I find the, the, the conversation very interesting. There was some parts of it which were mildly cringe-inducing, but that happens with anything that goes over topics like these. Sometimes it's like, well, okay, well, that's just a really lazy interpretation, but whatever. Like, that happens with everyone. Um, the I thought the ending was was a very nice way to resolve the conflict, but the biggest problem I have, I have like two major criticisms with this. One is the pacing is just kind of atrocious, uh, issue to issue. It's really bad. Um, the timeline is all over the fucking place, and the fact that we have kind of a main trio of characters 
but we're following them in different periods of their lives, but at the same time, but not, is really hard to read. Um, so we have like our main protagonist, I think, who we meet first. We get his tragic backstory first. He's the one we follow the most throughout the book. And this is kind of his redemption story, kind of. Um, he, But he fades out towards the middle because the book takes over the perspective of the Jesus clone for a while, who's your other main character. But he isn't a, a character until like the fifth issue because he was a baby. So the, the timing of the book is weird. And then we also have the, the main doctor lady. So the, the, it's the timeline that really screws me. I can follow chronologically what the timeline is. That's not the problem. It's that the balance between how much story takes place before the birth versus how much is the childhood versus how much is the adolescence is super off. Like the fact that his, that that the the new Virgin Mary basically die, like she dies in like issue three or four um, was entirely unexpected because she is such a well-developed character in the first few issues. It felt like a good choice, but it, my investment levels had to shift around between the characters, and I don't usually like that. I like having anthology series or differing perspectives, but it just felt like the balancing between all the characters was off. And I think the reason for this might have been because he wrote this over such a long period of time. He was writing this for like 15 years, and I think that kind of shows. It's a really well-developed concept. Uh, the 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 you know the general plot points are all really well executed. There's a lot of really cool character ideas. The designs are great. But it feels like a lot of it was kind of writing as he went along. And then maybe he didn't go back and do enough edits on the first half that he started writing when he was like 18. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. It just that made it really hard to read because I'm like, oh, shit. Now I have to get invested in this character because the other one's dead or like whatever. Um, that just bothered me a lot. Um, I, I bought it for $20. Um, I thought that I think that's worth it for anyone who's looking for Sean Murphy stuff. Um, punk dweebs like myself who like those sorts of topics. Um, I got it at Jetpack. Well worth the money. It's just out of all of the stuff that I've read, I've, I, out of the books that Sean Murphy has done the art and the writing for, I think this one is his weakest. I do and think it was kind of expected because this was like his second book. So, so I will actually agree with you a little bit on the writing because I went back and I reread it and I saw some of the dialogue and I, I don't, uh, I don't entirely agree with you on pacing or I think, I think that's more of a you opinion for pacing. Oh, my pacing, opinion is my opinion. Thank you. Pacing and, um, you know what? Fuck you. Uh, your pacing his pacing and like the switching between characters. I think that's just mainly you being a bald fuck thing where you just can't handle it. Cause uh -huh. you're a little baby man. Cause you got bald face. Um, but we're going to ignore the beard. Uh, oh my fucking word. Anyway, I reread it. And after a second read through, I'm like, okay, this isn't as amazing as I remember it. My first read, but it is still one of my favorite books. And it's still a really good book. And the art also fucking saves the shit out of everything in that book. I don't think most of it really needs saving, but I would agree. I think the art is definitely the strongest. Maybe point. I used the wrong word. It's just, it very it's, helped. It, it helped it a lot. Oh, for sure. It, it just carries it. Yes, there we go. Thank it's you. It's just, it's one of those things where it doesn't, it's not really a nuanced story. That's not really a criticism. 
it's just it's it's a clearly well-intentioned exploration of a lot of ideas in a very polarizing fashion and i like that because i like being edgy <laughs> but it's I, a very I, cathartic book for him for him and i you can and that's feel good. it and it's like i don't necessarily follow all of how you got to all these points but i can you can feel it and that's i think the thing that makes it a really good story in general is it's a very personal book i do like that i like that i like that about i think a lot of these christian groups that are in the book are actually well executed because i see that every day and i'm like wow this could actually happen people would actually try to make the shroud like use the shroud what the fuck ever that is and try to clone jesus and it's literally just a dude it's just a kid yeah no for sure all that stuff was on point it's not really that it's more in like the kind of the dialogue portion where like yeah. what people say is like okay that just that's dumb but whatever um really enjoyed it uh the big monkey man's awesome I of course him. the big monkey man is in every dude his motorcycle so cool i liked i also like the fact that we had variety between different christian groups that was nice as well because yeah. we had you know a catholic whore which he was a whore but you know, oh fuck yeah, that was fun. Oh, you Sean needs to do a Punisher run. Ooh. That would be perfect for him. That's fair. Just draw yep. the fuck out of Punisher. You got big, strong monkey man shooting the shit out of people. That'd be fun. Sean Murphy would be perfect for that. I agree, and it would be more fun than most Punisher runs. Yeah, it would. Jacob, what else have you been up to? So, what better to balance out the feeling of watching a shitty kung fu movie? Is to change genres completely and watch a shitty western movie Aha! i read marvel max's apache skies oh dear lord why do i feel like this is going to get really racist really fast <laughs> it is four issues long oh my God. written by john ostrander and uh leonardo manco is on the cover too i have a feeling he arted this but i have no idea um Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo DiCaprio. Right off the bat, the artwork is fantastic. It feels like... You know in movies when they do a flashback and it's like in a a painting on like a cave wall or something. It's got yeah. that legend feel to it. You know it's, when you're drawing a, on, your, on your ceiling of your room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like a mix between a painting, but also a story drawn on like leather. It's got a leathery feel to it. It looks so cool. Hmm. It makes it feel like that legend flashback through the whole story. It looks so cool. Uh, The story is a little tough to follow. It feels choppy, but it makes sense in the end. It just moves quickly over four issues. Um, there are definitely racist elements in it because of the time that it's set in. Are there slurs? There are slurs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fully spelled right. out. Fully spelled out. Nice. <laughs> um, I am now interested. Spencer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my fucking word. I love how we get a little racy and then Spencer just fall. Racism. Well, it's because it's clearly a joke. I know. I'm hyperbolic. So You're just.
Yeah, well, I'm super white. It's violet. It it hits all of the shitty Western movie cliches, but it's enjoyable. It's fun. Oh, spots. It's. Oh what did you say? <laughs> it's it hits all the G chords. Stop, stop, Colin. You're ruining Jacob's ears and brain yes, and mind and it heart made and me happy. Okay, Colin, I was very happy reading this book. I bet you were. G-spots. <laughs> stop. Oh damn, Western G spot. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that is a good point. They did the cliche Western voices a couple of times and it was kind of tough to read sometimes but i guess it was important for world building or something that would Uh, make me kill myself i will kill myself can you get off the killing people topic it's just myself i'm not a person it was short it was sweet it was a very different topic or genre to look at and it was done quite well uh cover price is three bucks i got it for five bucks total wow i ordered it from casablanca comics in portland maine and i love ordering stuff from that company i've mentioned them a couple of times because everything i've gotten as far as single issues comes with the the board and a plastic envelope and it's treated really well there it's immaculate uh everything's taped up nice and tight it's beautiful i love getting stuff from casablanca comics and it was a really good price uh absolutely worth five bucks to read this uh, i got it on a steal this is one of the better max things i've read wow both of them, both topics this week were actually decent Mac stuff. Just Not wait like, until next week. It's gonna be it's gonna be War Machine too. No, thankfully I haven't seen that in existence. I I don't want to read that one. Oh my god! War gosh. Machine two, shit in my cucked pants. I'm trying really really hard to finish all the Mac stuff that I own before the new season. I only have one more run in my possession to read and then i'm gonna take a break from the max shit for a while wow that's nice i'm I so just, happy for you <laughs> while you guys were talking i looked at the pile of max stuff i've already read i was like oh that sucked oh that was shit oh that was terrible Dude, <laughs> like it seems like most max series suck <laughs> yes yeah uh the eternal was decent because it had good ideas and not just because <laughs> monkey sex uh masters of kung fu but also and, monkey sex yes but also monkey sex uh <laughs> but i love monkey sex and apache's guys besides alias and punisher so far fair so that's like five things that i've enjoyed that's nice do you yeah. need a question he does no i can talk about a He's question a- what character do you want to see daniel warren johnson do next because you already said sean murphy oh oh, wait wait, sorry i i I misheard you oh i want to see more fucking beta beta ray bill new character oh come on no thor technically it's new because i kept reading murder falcon i'm like what the fuck i want thor i want thor i want thor Because I'm reading Murder Falcon and I was reading Norse mythology book by Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. And uh, I, 
it just fits so fucking well. Like I could not stop when I was reading the, uh, that book, Neil Gaiman's uh, Norse mythology. I could not stop thinking about like it's Daniel Warren Johnson doing the art. Everything it was Daniel Warren Johnson, and I just I couldn't think of anything else. Wow. Would it be male Thor or female Thor? Male. Well, now mm. women. because uh, women suck. That's why. I do. But it's Jane Foster. She doesn't suck. You know, I noticed Daniel's Daniel's women are kind of ugly when he draws them. Is this subtext? Is this subtext? <laughs> Daniel, do you hate women like us? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> As he's happily married and has a child. I know. <laughs> I love that man. I mean, most of his people are ugly in general. No, yeah, no, for sure. It's just we're we I accept think- we accept guys to be ugly. Yeah, it's because we're used to women being drawn as very attractive and oh yeah. No, it's I I, I love how he draws his, uh, the women, especially like uh, no, you like how he draws the horse cock. Uh, what the horse cock? Yeah, do you not remember? Uh, never mind. Oh, 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 it's yeah. Like a Thirty-minute oh. tangent about horse dick. Sith yeah, is seriously. actually very attractive, and also I like how he draws the Amazon women as rugged, fucking yes. beastly women. Like, ooh, very that makes sense. She will snap you in half and then yes. fuck your dead body. Ah, ah, ah! Give me, give me invincible vibes right there. Yeah, Ultramites. Um. So, besides something that's technically already made, because he did draw Thor in Beta Ray Bill. Um, I think that Daniel Warren Johnson, he does have a very mystical vibe and very like. How would you feel if he did Hellboy? Ooh. I don't know if the tone would fit. I don't. Mm. The art would probably be fine. If so, the story was okay. written by somebody else, but he just did the art. Okay, okay. I. So here, here's some more in-depth reasoning why I wouldn't want uh, him to do Hellboy. It's not enough ink. No. No. The reason is that Daniel's very... Uh, he's very detailed. Like even look in the backgrounds, you see like he draws the smallest amount of like trash in the corner of a bedroom. He's very detailed. Hellboy, for what it is, it has to be dumbed down. Hellboy is a dumbed down thing. And that's why I like it so much. Uh, There's more black. So there's less things in the background. You focus more on the bodies and the people. And Daniel's not that. Daniel's like, hey, look at this whole picture. It's fucking cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I know it is because I drew it. And that's how I see Daniel's shit. And it's very metal. Um, if I were to have Daniel draw anything else, I, I don't think it would be Hellboy. It's just, it doesn't fit. He's too detailed for me. Um, but I would love to see Daniel do like a draw. Oh, maybe Moon Knight. Maybe Moon Knight because he did a cover. That is true. And it was very good. That could be fun. And he would probably do a pretty good job, maybe for like a couple of pages, maybe like not a whole run or not a couple of pages, but maybe like a couple issues. Because uh, he's detailed, but he's not like psychedelic, like how Moon Knight can be. Mm. So maybe give him like a Mr. Knight run. Ooh. There we go. That Daniel Warren Johnson doing a Mr. Knight run. That could be fun. Yep. There you go. Thank you for that good question, good sir. Cock and Anytime. ball. Anytime. Spencer, what dick have you been eating? I mean, the, what 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 comic book have you been reading? There Oops, are sorry. no dicks in this book. Uh, so another Sean Murphy bit. 
uh, I Read the Plot Holes, uh, which is a five-chapter graphic novel, which he funded on Indiegogo and also published uh, on Indiegogo. Um, I remember when this got announced. Uh, this was before I was into his work. I just remember because this is kind of one of, it's one, it was one of the largest comic productions on Indiegogo. Um, so he does the story and art and colors are done by Matt Hollingsworth and Dave Stewart, another fucking colorist legend. Um, basically, there's there's computer bad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> basically, uh, it's a collection of characters from different types of books and, and stuff from different time periods and different genres who all work together to edit books that are like getting self-published basically um they live in like a computer program that is basically like the editing tool for like amazon self-publishing basically um and then they go through and they tidy up these books so they don't get like thrown in the trash so they are metaphorically saving all of these worlds from destruction because mm -hmm. all of these characters can be moved into other books they're all alive um we don't see quote-unquote real humans in any of this they're just these are all these people living in a book um i think the the idea is really freaking cool it's a bit nonsensical but it's super cool it's very meta um so there's a uh big bulky tiger man who's gay from like a samurai type book thing <laughs> and that's why he was why it, like the the reason all these characters get he wasn't edited, even the main character. No, he was, but it, it kind of, sort of, because he was the, he was the uh, the bury your gaze trope of uh, whatever gay person you have dies immediately. Uh, it's like in a horror movie where like the black person dies immediately. Like it's they these characters edit those tropes and stuff out of these books. So he I'd like got to removed. correct you and say it's usually the chick that dies. Well, yes. Well. Lamau women. One of the chicks that you know dies I mean. first. You know what I mean? This character, whose name I don't remember, um, he dies to motivate his straight brother, who's like the one that the kingdom actually wants because they don't want to like accept the gay tiger as like their king. It's weird. So it's a whole bunch of weird stories like this. There is a uh, stand-in character who's very who's drawn very similarly to um you know, like the cartoon that has like the, I think it's a tiger and a boy. It's it's like they use they use it in a lot of memes now, but I don't remember what it's called originally. Jungle Book. No, it's um. Fuck! It's so clearly a riff on this character. Anyways, <laughs> so we also have this like child character from uh, a comic strip from like war times who is the oldest of all of them metaphorically but he still like looks the youngest so he's ancient and bigoted and a massive douchebag and he gets like nicer even though his best friend is a big gay fluffy tiger so funny um there's an anime protagonist wait, wait, wait. are you talking about calvin and Hobbes? wow yeah. i'm stupid shut up uh, and we have Link. Yeah, and then we basically have Link, but from robot kaiju, but powered by cars. The That's the point, is all the stories these characters get removed from are, like, insane. These are the worlds really that... shitty books. These are the worlds that do get destroyed. So the character, the wide variety of characters is really cool. The dynamic is really fun. I thought the characters were all fairly well fleshed out. Um, I really like watching Sean Murphy do other types of art styles. 
but they all still feel very Sean Murphy-ified. Well, what, what, I what works it. so well with the artwork is because he, uh, in an interview, he said that he meshes American and manga-inspired art style. Oh, for and sure. He, and mainly, like, uh, manga, and he brings it and Americanizing it in like a respectful way. And that's yeah. why it works so well with like animated an, anime characters. Cause he's basically drawing I, American manga. I do definitely agree. And I've always liked that part of his, of his style. And yeah, the manga character is the one who looks the least out of place, which is really funny uh-huh. um, outside of the fact that he has really big eyes. It's so funny. Um, and then you have the protagonist who is a, so clearly an artist insert. Um, he's a, a wannabe Com, uh, wannabe book writer, nerd, washed up, what you know, washed the, up uh, comic book artist. The the typical. I feel bad about what I do for a living, and I'm gonna put all my insecurities in one character type character, which I love. Um, he just doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't even realize he's in a book for a while because it's like a, a biography or whatever. Um, and they team up to defeat another character who was one of, who was someone who was on the team, but basically went crazy because he was a villain in his book and he wants to write his own story effectively. Um, and these characters in the, the plot holes, the team, um, even though they're working for good ends, they weren't really letting this character not be a bad guy. They were still using him to like kill people and stuff. Um, so he freaks out. He like infects other books. It's really fun stuff. Uh, this basically felt like a way better version of Chrononauts. Um, I liked Chrononauts a little bit. It wasn't written by Sean Murphy and Mark Miller's not the best writer in the world. So that book was pretty rough, but the vibe of it, of like a couple of time traveling himbos, basically, um, this book has that kind of feel to it. They jump to different settings, different art styles. The stories are all over the place. They defeat the bad guy by making a mega gun with components from different universes. It's silly. It's so silly. Um, I really liked it. The only part that I wasn't super great on uh, was it felt like I could have used another chapter before chapter one. I would have liked to see the team operate a little bit before the main character gets introduced because it feels like we have we have so much history to this team that we just don't really get to see. Um, and the pacing is absolutely breakneck, which I think works for this type of book, because as soon as you start thinking about it, it stops making sense. So just keep running. Uh, there's also a lot of Sean Murphy references in it. I don't know if Colin got far enough, but it's, I think it's chapter four or five. There's, uh, there's a white knight reference. There's a punk rock Jesus reference. I think there's a Tokyo ghost reference, like all on the same page. They jump through a bunch of different universes and it's so funny. I think I saw the... I don't think I saw any of those actually. I saw like a Blade Runner reference. Yeah, there's a bunch of them, and I I, I like that. Um, I get back to it. I own the book, so like I yeah. have to get. I have to finish it. Eventually. I think we're never gonna get a sequel to this book, but I kind of want one. This feels like a story that you can keep running with uh, and make it more and more nonsensical as you go along. Um, I like the fact that it's really meta. It's not meta in terms of like super philosophically analyzing stories but it does have a lot of important points about like how we interact with the stories that we look at you know the fact that just because a story is not wonderful 
and perfect that doesn't mean that it didn't have like love and care that went into it Mm -hmm. you know there there are stories they come across where like this is dumb but to them there's still people living in this world this book that like they will die if this book doesn't get published so they have to work with the book and improve it so it's like legible Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i think that's really nice uh, it was $30. I bought it at Jetpack because Jetpack Comics is the only physical location on the entire fucking planet you can buy this book that is not Sean Murphy's website. They are like the only physical place on this planet that sells like anything that Sean Murphy doesn't sell in his own store. <laughs> yep. Because uh, it's he- so fucking crazy. Like all the prints that I own are like basically Sean coming in and being like, hey, I don't have any of these online. You guys want to sell them? Like, what, what, uh, yeah. Yeah, because he... It's like, okay, I'll sign them. <laughs> he, he lives like an hour away from Jetpack. It's fucking crazy. He's, he's local. He just randomly pops by and like sign merchandise randomly. I wanted That's to do that cool. again because I want to buy some Batman merch with him signing it. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that th- this definitely makes sense as an Indiegogo book of like, I need funding for this, but I don't... I don't think I can sell like a publisher on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. The physical book I thought was really nice. It has a slightly tacky feeling matte cover. It's hard to describe. It feels good. There, There's like strong embossing on the logo. Um, it's $30. Definitely worth it if you like Sean Murphy, if you like sci-fi or like weird metatextual literary analysis shit. Shit. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool because if you go on Amazon right now and you look up this book, you can buy it for uh, in paperback or hardcover, and it literally says right there on the front page, it ships from Jetpack Comics. Yeah. That's awesome. It's super cool. I think you can buy it off of his website as, as well, but that's about it. So it's it's really nice. Um, that's about it. I think this is one of his weaker books, but I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a fun, wild, stupid blockbuster ride. It was Transformers, but good. Um, so thank you for listening to our show filled with special, special people. Um, tune in next week, whereas we will be talking about more Star Wars Celebration news uh, because there's more, um, as well as Kenobi Episode 4 uh, and various other shenanigans. We have our uh, one, sorry, not one year, two year anniversary coming up pretty soon. Uh, and we'll be heading into season three in a few weeks. We have a few announcements for that coming up shortly. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. So yeah, big thank you to Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. Go over there and buy all of your Sean Murphy stuff. You, If you're lucky, it might be signed and they might not even notice. Uh, Legit. That's how I got a couple of books signed. They were just chilling on the shelf. And I was like, yeah, I'm just buying this regular book and get it for regular price, but it was signed. Yeah. That pisses me off. I, I, every time I look, I look for the Curse of the White Knight. I look through all of his Batman ones. And I tried, like, I, I skimmed through all of them trying to find a signed one. There's a lot of copies of Harley Quinn, like a lot I of know. those copies. And he will sign those because he does the, he did the covers for those, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. At least the, the A Her covers. boobs look so good. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So go check out all of the the Sean Murphy store. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jetpack Comics and Games is our local comic shop. They are frenzies. We are frenzies with them. I recently went in there and I screamed at Rich, Kyle, and Devin about the fact that they all like the wrong DC crisis because Final Crisis is the best crisis, but they were all wrong. And they said Infinite Crisis or Flashpoint because Devin is a Zoomer. Um, um, uh, 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 uh,
Heroes in Crisis. I know it's, it's not, not a, a crisis. crisis. I know, but it says crisis. You can suck my balls. Suck my balls. Suck my dick and balls. My little chode, my little tuna can. Fuck you, bitch. Also, a thank you to our patron over at patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros, Jeff Lorenz, longtime friend of the show. Uh, he gives us money. We say his name. We plug his stuff. Go check out his uh, art and his most recent comic. Um, we'll be reviewing that comic here shortly. We will be. I will be making an official announcement next week as to what the fuck we're doing for the next few weeks. But wow, we will be discussing it and stuff. So I thank you to Jeff Lorenz for supporting the show and being fun and also just randomly popping up at metal concerts. We happen to be in attendance. I love seeing him and giving a big old hug. Jeff gives the best hugs. It's like the third or fourth time it's happened. It's like, oh, hey, never would have thought to meet you here. Um, It was so funny when we bought his comic book because I mentioned an upcoming show that he didn't know about. He's like, what? They're coming to town? I was like, oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, We're going to be there. Yes, we are. If you want to support the show, you can go to our Patreon. We have different tiers for different things. You can get stickers. Uh, we will have bookmarks. I swear to God, we're getting on it. Um, as well as get your name shouted out. Exclusive content, behind the scenes looks, clips, stuff we remove from the show because it's too spicy. Mostly it's just pictures of Colin's asshole that we put on Patreon. Yeah. Um, Last week, it was uh, Chopper saying... Uh, words along the lines of be quiet and Spencer kept talking over it. It was quite ironic. I know. That was so <laughs> fucking annoying. Like, he's not even dancing. Got you talk right over you dumb fucking bitch, you bull ass baby. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Very um, funny clip. And Only then, found on Patreon. Yes. And you can also get exclusive access to our other podcast, Dime Comic Bros Happy Hour, which we will, we will be recording momentarily where we just go over stuff. We just talk shit, have a drink maybe, depends on the time of day. Colin is taking his clothes <laughs> off right now. I think that's my cue to wrap up. Um, Join us next week. Yes. Ah! <laughs> Put it away! <laughs>